Welcome to the Crushing Cash Flow Podcast, where we share phenomenal advice and dozens of decades of wisdom from investors and entrepreneurs of all types and all stages of their journeys. We'll cover many forms of cash flowing assets, such as real estate, stock investing, entrepreneurship, and general finance guidance. Listen in and learn from those who are crushing it out there, as well as those who have been crushed by business or their investments. Now here's your host, Andrew Shutsky. Welcome back to another episode of Crushing Cashflow. I'm your host, Andrew Shutsky, and with me today is Scott Brand. Scott is an operations optimization specialist with the Energy Network. He has extensive experience in reducing operational expenses within the areas of energy, utilities, waste, is also a cost segregation specialist, is what we'll cover mainly today. So, Scott, hey man, thanks for thanks for joining. Really appreciate your time today. Uh, it's my pleasure. It's a real honor to be invited, Andrew. Thanks. Fantastic. So let's start off. Tell us a little about yourself. Give us a minute or two about your background. I know you you've got some real estate investing experience, which is you know as you know our shiny star and topic of of the day, of the hour, the week, of the month. So tell us a bit about yourself first. Sure. So um, I got involved in real estate. Actually, I was in Detroit, Michigan market. Um, I've I've been in technology my most of my career, but uh, there was a career change coming, and a friend of mine uh, said, "Hey, I've got someone you need to speak with. He he needs a buyer's representative. Uh, his name is um, Tim, and Tim works at Remerica Hometown One there in uh, Plymouth, Michigan." So Tim Haggerty uh, was at the time, it was before the last downturn. And we had a lot of out-of-state investors coming into the market and they were buying like whole blocks of quads and tries and gentrifying them. Mm. So I first got exposed to cost segregation because it was part of their spreadsheet. I did the BPOs and inside, outside BPOs, all of that kind of work. And then if it checked out, we would help them with the purchase. So I didn't really know that much about it. I just knew it was important to any investor that that would be part of their plan. Uh, fast forward to my to moving to Florida. I wanted to get out of technology fully. Uh, I mean, I got out of real estate because of the last downturn. That's that's why I ended up in Florida. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, I want to get back around real estate again, but I don't want to be in the transaction side. I don't want to be a broker. Um, just happened to ask the universe to introduce me to the right people. And luckily for me, I was uh, introduced to Jeff Hobbs. Jeff Hobbs is now the uh, director for cost segregation for BDO USA. At the time, he had his own private company, and I just asked him to let me be his protege. So I got a graduate level degree in all things cost segregation, from towers to green elevators, okay. multifamily, single family, pretty much any property type you can think of, I've had my hands on. And uh, that's really where all that experience comes from. The, the optimization side, is, it's the same real estate assets, but normally on a bigger enterprise level. But I, but I can share some things today that would help just the average investor. On- okay. Yeah, we'll get into that. I got a question randomly. Why is it so many technology people find their way into real estate? I swear it's like 50% or more. Why is that? Like, What's your take on it? Uh, for, well, I can tell you for me, it's, it's because that when you, if you read a lot, like I do, you realize that 90% of wealth is built from real estate in some aspect or another. So it's just a subject you can't ignore. And plus it's a huge part of our economy. So the more you know about it, the better. I mean, it's, as you know, it's an infinite subject matter. You know, as soon as you, you know, more, you realize how little, you know, Yep. So I, it, plus it's, it's a forever asset. You know, you got gold, real estate, and 
Yeah. You know, those kinds of real assets are always going to be worth something, especially in the current market. As we can see over the last year, the one property type that really did well, multifamily. Oh, yeah. Uh, so in summary, uh, technology people are smart and they know where the chances <laughs> are. <laughs> I not go that far. I worked around a lot of technology people. Some of them are brilliant, but can't tie their own shoes. That's true. That's okay. true. I'll admit to that. I'll admit yeah. to being, being part Being a technology guy yourself, I know. Exactly. Yeah, no offense <laughs> taken at all. No offense taken at all. All right, let's back up a sec. You mentioned cost segregation. Let's demystify that a bit for the layman's out there. You know, there's huge benefits out there that are those that are in the know and those that reap the benefits. What the heck is that? Let's start off with that. Yeah, just at a, at a high level, the cost segregation is just a process of reclassifying the different asset classes that are in the building that are not the main real property of the building. They call it tangible personal property. Okay. And just think in, think in easy terms, you know, think of it this way. It's when two components could be joined together and taken apart without hurting either part uh, as you take it apart. So carpeting, millwork, um, you know, even the fencing, um, your pool, it, any of the things that are that are related to the actual running of the multifamily business, not the bare bones of the property itself. So specialty, mechanical, electrical, plumbing, uh, sconces, uh, clubhouses, you know, where you've got a lot of pretty things in there. Those don't really need to exist. You, they exist to make the environment better for the customer. So if you can think about it in that way, and understand, um, everyone knows the straight line depreciation for rental is 27 and a half years, but a carpet is not going to last 27 and a half years. So the IRS just realized through litigation, as most of these things happened many years ago, that you can't hold a business to a straight line of an item that is going to not be worth the same in that amount of time. It's going to be replaced many times over. And that's where all of this came from. Okay. So you've got, this, you've got this ability to break apart what's inside the building, things, anything you can take apart, basically. What do I do with it from there? How do I know whether or not I have something to go after? Where is there value? What's my first step as an investor? So the it all comes down now as as a discipline, the engineering works. And, and honestly, the, the IRS looks at it from a, the most qualified way to do this is to have an engineer that has... Uh, construction knowledge mm -hmm. and knowledge in the IRS code. There's an actual audit guide that goes through all 32 divisions of the code and says what items can be recategorized re into these five, seven, and 15 year. The engineering part is always going to work. What we have to ask ourselves is, does it fit my tax profile? And there's a couple things in there. Uh, what's your status as an investor? Are you passive, active, or a full-time real estate pro? Um, and honestly, when you're a professional in investing passively, there's something called, um, passive activity loss. It, it's very restrictive. You know, you only get $25,000 worth of losses that you can take. And if you make more than $150,000 a year, you don't qualify at all. So for a lot of professionals, it's not a good fit. That being said, in syndications you have, or, or joint ventures, either you have different partnerships. It could be that, Maybe you don't qualify as a partner or as an LP, but the people putting it together, they do qualify. And we just want to make room for the understanding that just because you don't qualify today doesn't mean you can't qualify in the future and take that benefit. But your partners are going to want to do this. In, multi, in pretty much any multifamily or a multi-tenant, 
people that do this professionally all are very aware of cost segregation. They make it part of their plan, whether it's new construction or, or you're just purchasing the property. They all qualify. Um, it's what you're really doing is reducing your tax liability. Um, currently cares act actually changed a couple of things. It used to be that you could take a refund only, uh, over the last three years of federal income tax, they changed it out to five. So one of two situations, if you have a large tax bill and you want to mitigate your ta taxes and you do qualify as either a real estate professional, um, or I should not as, but as a real estate professional, you can take that benefit and either mitigate your taxes. You could even pay it against your quarterlies, or you can take a refund if you paid in, uh, income tax to the federal government or your state over the last five years. More um, In the past, 95% of people took tax credits. These days, though, some people want that cash flow. You know, Time value of money is what we're talking about here. They can redeploy that and take you know, on other opportunities that they may not have been able to access otherwise. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So what's the right time to do this, you know, uh, investigation or study? Do I do it as soon as I close, before I close? What's the timing? What's the ideal timing for an investor? That, that's a great question. Um, it, you know, really, you, you want to benchmark and do an analysis of the property before you get into it. There's a couple of reasons. Uh, if it's new construction and uh you're able to actually reduce uh, different parts of like your insurance could might be reduced because it costs less uh, to insure tangible personal property than it does real property. Uh, you, you could be looking at a mortgage note where if the, these numbers are in front of the, the underwriting, they may be able to say, hey, look, this is going to be better cash flow. They may waive a down payment. Now, everyone's situation is different. You know, We're talking about credit and all kinds of things like this. But if you have this information ahead of time, and if you're looking at two properties, you can say, well, all things being equal, which one might benefit me more from a tax perspective and a cash flow perspective? Because it is your money. You're just not waiting 27 and a half years to get it. One, one caveat, if you're not going to hold the property, like if you're flipping, fixing and flipping. This is not for you. Uh, you need to hold the property at least one year by law. Mm -hmm. And really, if you're not going to hold it for a minimum of four or five years, you should really just be cautious about it because there is a, a recapture tax if on, on the amount you've taken off the table and it hasn't gone through the schedule yet. So if you're only going to keep it a couple of years, you're kind of borrowing money from yourself so you need to understand that, that there, is, there are ramifications if you sell too early. So certain kinds of investors that are really turning and burning, really not for you. I mean, you can, but you better watch the math. And I think you made a couple of great points I wanted to emphasize. So one is, you know, understand what you're buying before you even buy it, right? Understand your, your business plan. What's your whole period going to be? It may or may not make sense, but you know, for the majority of you know my investments or a lot of our listeners, you're doing a, a longer term, three, five, seven year hold, multifamily or even yes. single family. It's worth exploring, right? So that's you got to know your your exit strategy at the beginning to, to know whether or not it's worth the time to investigate, right? So I think they're great points. And, uh, and just one one quick piggyback on that mm -hmm. is that you know, as you know, real estate is a team sport. 
So as you know, any engineers that are working for you, they should be your fiduciary, first of all. Um, and they should know that they don't understand your exact tax profile because Andrew, you might be looking at something where, hey, this doesn't make sense today, but in two years, it, it's gonna make sense because at that time I'll be a full-time real estate professional. I can take all the benefits. Mm. There's something called a, a section 481A, it's called a look back study that will allow you to apply it at that time and catch up, it's a catch up provision, catch up, meaning if I had done this treatment at the time I put it into service, it would look like this. So when we talk about tax planning, we have to be forward looking and say, well, it may not make sense today, but it could make sense in two or three years because let's say it's a buy and hold and I'm inching my way towards a full-time real estate professional designation. That's 751 hours documented time in, in the actual business of it, not looking on Zillow, but actually going out and do the business of uh, real estate. So it could be like, hey, it doesn't make sense today but it will make sense in two to three years. You table it until then, and then you've got uh, an ace in your back pocket and you can get all the cash at once. That's a great point. So you added another dimension. So I'll recap again, because I think they're really important, right? So one is know what you're buying, what's in the walls of the building. Well, number two is know your exit strategy, your business plan, and how long you anticipate being in the asset or the investment. And third is your personal status, both present and your projected status within the couple of years or within the whole period. So that they're all great angles to know whether or not do I spend the time and money to investigate. And that leads me to kind of one of my final questions too, around this, this topic in this area is how do I get help, right? The average investor is not going to know, you know, what you talked about bringing an engineer and there are certain classifications in certain time periods. How do I find help in this area? Do I, can I go to any CPA? Can, you know, who do I, who do I go to? Uh, you, you can go to companies like ours, onsiteis.com, and we do benchmark analysis for no charge, okay? We're wow. fiduciaries on your side. Uh, mo most cost segregation companies will do a benchmark at no charge, okay? Um, and the really good ones know that you're going to have to consult with your business um, consultants, your business um, people like a CPA to compare it against your tax profile and your plan to see if it does make sense. If the CPA, and I hate to say this, not all CPAs are built the same. Some are just not comfortable with tax mitigation for some reason. And I really suggest, even if they're your buddy from high school, like, look, you know, this is a business. So maybe look into um, getting a referral from someone like me, for example, that knows CPAs coast to coast that is more familiar with commercial real estate and is okay with taking these kinds of tax strategies. The, the fact of the matter is, is that tax evasion is illegal tax avoidance is a national sport. And huh. when you're in a business, especially one that's so cash flow intensive as um, rental, multifamily, all the way down to single family, you need to think of it in terms of the business and how it operates from a cash flow perspective. At the end of the day, we're talking about increasing our net operating income. And if this helps make that happen, then that's what needs to happen. And if somebody's not cooperating with you, it's okay to look for other advisors. I love that quote. I'm going to steal that. Maybe that's the headline for the episode too, the, the being a national sport. It is. <laughs> Optimization, avoidance, whatever, uh, potato, potato. Uh, yeah. one, one other thing came to mind too as you're talking, are there certain things, um, certain types of assets that are like kind of the gold star of, of categories that could, can it you know, be most advantageous to a buyer or to an investor? You know, uh, appliances, HVAC, what are the top, 
categories you typically look for in terms of opportunity? Or is there such a category? As far as optimizing for energy, water, waste, that kind of thing? Uh, in terms of the segregation piece. Oh, the segregation. Uh, well, with certain property types are, more, are, are better. We use a word called density. So think of it this way. A warehouse might be four walls, a roof, and a slab. Okay, that's not a very dense property. There's not a lot of, most of it is the real property. But mm-hmm. if you think about a multifamily or a, a hotel, you know, all, a lot of what's going on in there is to service the clientele. It's not the bare bones of the building. And you've got all these additional ancillary things that you put into the property from outside landscaping to, you know, uh, swimming pools and clubhouses and all of the, all of these things qualify as tangible personal property. And so any of those kind of property types that are very dense are going to have the most benefit. 35 to 40% of the cost basis can be accelerated versus say a bare bones warehouse might only be 8% of the cost basis can be accelerated to give you the kind of differential. Now it depends on the kind of hotel or multifamily. If we're talking like a class three, kind of very basic, there's not going to be as much as say a class A luxury you know, multifamily, which is just going to be bells and whistles everywhere. You got the waterfall in the and in, in the entry area. I mean, yeah. all of that kind of stuff to make it flashy and cool actually is the business of running a class A luxury multifamily. So think of it in those terms. No, that's great. I mean, it makes sense. More amenities, more opportunity to, to break it out. So it makes a lot of sense. So it's funny. I was originally thinking of, you know, should we dive into the cup of the uh, cost control, cost optimization side? And I'd like to keep this episode contained to just the cost segregation. Sure. Maybe we'll do a focus session just on that. So with that, I wanted to thank you so much for the, for the knowledge you've broken off for our listeners. And I wanted to ask one last question. How can our listeners get in touch with you? Uh, I made it easy. Um, go to www.energyscott, just like it sounds, E-N-E-R-G-Y-S-C-O-T-T.com. It'll take you right to my LinkedIn profile and you can connect with me there. Simple as that. Thanks so much, man. Appreciate it. Thank you, Andrew. I appreciate you having me on today. Anytime. Thanks for listening in with us for another episode of the Crushing Cashflow Podcast. We have a small favor to ask of all of our listeners. Please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. Each subscription and rating will help us massively toward our goal of helping reach as many listeners as possible each week. Thank you very much once again for listening. We're thrilled to have you with us as part of this journey, and we can't wait to share more of these stories with you. Stay tuned for much more to come. 